So oftentimes, this, uh, as I mentioned, this parable is referred to as the parable of the sower. And yet, the main focus is actually placed on the soil. That is the condition of the various soils that we will see here. We have several that we're going to be taking a look at. We ought to also consider the fact that there are some things that are constant. That is, the sower is the same. He has one work and he fulfills it. That is, in sowing the seed is the other constant. The sower and the seed. The condition of the soil is what determines whether the seed will take or not. Very plainly spoken, this is exactly what we're looking at. This is the parable that we have before us and the lesson that we are to learn through this. Now, what we apply it to and how we apply it, well, that all is determined by how much you're yielded to and are willing to receive the word as it is spoken and taught. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. As Christians, we cry out, as we did this morning in worship, and ask God to create within us a clean heart, as the psalmist did. We know our hearts. We know the condition of our hearts. And if we are truthful about the condition of our hearts, we ought to daily cry out this one, this one cry, this one plea to the Lord, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. May I have a, a heart that reflects yours. Being mindful of where our hearts can go if left unattended. Being careful to tend to them with the word of God because from them our lives are directed, strengthened. And from our hearts bring the issues, come the issues of life. And, and it depends on what we fill our hearts with. It depends on that as far as how we respond to different things in our lives. Listen, we know that the heart can lead us astray. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, Whatever a man depends upon, whatever rules his mind, whatever governs his affections, whatever is the chief object of his delight, is his God, close quote. Because this is all true, we know that the condition of the heart, if not fully yielded with belief in and to the grace of God in Christ, is what determines the efficacy or the intended result of the word of God in our own hearts. For instance, if you're sitting here, and I know this happens, if you're sitting here this morning and you're making every effort to resist what is being taught by rejecting everything that is being said and then dismiss it in your own mind afterwards and choose to ignore it, 
regardless of whether the Holy Spirit is convicting you or not, then know that your heart is hardened and the word will not have God's desired effect on you. Well, what about how it says in the word that it will not return void? Well, that is true. Because here's what the word does. It will either serve you to help you grow in your faith or it will serve this purpose to testify against you because it is truth. And now you know it. It's one or the other. You know, um, I've told the story before about the little girl that was taking a drive with her father. And she was in the back seat and they were driving down the street and he looks in his rearview mirror and he sees the girl standing up. Obviously, you know, she came out of her seatbelt and was just standing. She was having the time of her life, right? Looking around and, and all that. But, but he tells her, sweetheart, sit down. And uh, she doesn't listen. She, she acts like as if she didn't hear her dad at all. So he looks back and he tells her again, sweetheart, sit down. Goes on a bit more. Nothing, no reaction, no response. Doesn't even acknowledge her dad. And so at that point, her dad gets a little bit more stern. Yeah, I, I told you to sit down. Sit down right now. Still nothing. Finally, he says, if you don't sit down, I'm going to pull over and I will buckle you in. And with that, as he's kind of making his way over, sure enough, she plops down, sits down, and she throws her seatbelt on. And then he hears a little voice from the back as he continues on. I may be sitting down on the outside, Dad, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> I hope that that's not our heart. I hope that we're here and we realize we're here by divine appointment. We're here, hopefully, to hear from the Lord. Not from me, not, not from Pastor All. You should care less about the person as far as I'm concerned. But you should be looking to hear from God himself. I'm simply an instrument, a vessel, all glory to God. And that's who you should be desiring to hear from. My hope is that we all listen to what God has to say in and through his word. And it proves to be fruitful in your life. Producing a harvest of good and rich results to the glory of God. A parable is an earthly story of a heavenly meaning. Stories of everyday ordinary life. Used to drive home a spiritual or moral truth. Literally the Greek word parabole means something placed alongside. The parable of the soils is taught and explained by Jesus to his disciples. Then, and you could just imagine for a moment, and it is true that he is teaching the very same parable to you and I this morning, at this moment. His teaching is broken down into three sections. 
we see the parable, the purpose, and the explanation. Let's begin with the parable itself. Again, in verse 1 of chapter 4, again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to, to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded it. Uh, and it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The location of the Sea of Galilee again, as we go back to the area of Galilee, the region. Again, we have a very large crowd that's gathered around Jesus, and so... He gets on a boat and, and he goes out a bit onto the water. This, um, you can understand, this could serve as a great distraction. You know, if we were, if our setting was the Sea of Galilee and you heard the birds chirping and you saw, on the Sea of Galilee you have, you, you hear the, the, the fish because they jump out of the water, and it's just so serene, so calm, but at the same time, so beautiful. You're surrounded by hills, and um, you uh, can just imagine just, for them, this was everyday life. For us, this would be like, oh, you know, this is beautiful. We're out of the city. <laughs> We're enjoying the outdoors, right? But it was a beautiful setting, but the setting wasn't what he wanted them to focus on. It was the things that he was teaching. And so, so he took full advantage of the moment, having gathered all these people around him. And he set out a little ways. Uh, when you speak like uh, we went to Lake Jenkins when, uh, when we uh, were camping with the men. You guys remember that? And you could easily hear one another from across that small Lake. It's very small, but, but uh, the acoustics are great. And so you can imagine Jesus went out. The acoustics were great. He could speak to a large crowd without any just crazy effort having to be made to be heard. He was not a synagogue. He wasn't behind a pulpit. But it was nonetheless a divine appointment, and Jesus knew it. We see here that Jesus was, was teaching them many things in parables. But in particular, we have this teaching recorded by Mark, his teaching of the soils. What Jesus is describing here is, is a familiar story. It's something that they were all familiar with. Everyday life, it was ordinary. Story, parable of a farmer sowing seed. That was it. Everyone was familiar with the different soils and could agree with what Jesus was teaching regarding the response of the seed depending on what soil they fell on. They could all agree. As a farmer goes out to sow, no doubt that the seed will fall in this manner. 
Number one, some seed fell along the path. Number two, some seed fell on rocky ground. Thirdly, some seed fell among thorns. And fourthly, some seed fell into good soil. The seed that fell along the path. Now, for the farmer, this was never intentional, but it's something that happened. It's not something that was desired as far as the farmer is concerned, but sometimes it did. It fell on the path. And it was commonly known, known that if this seed fell on the path, that it would be quickly eaten by the birds. They would come along and pluck it right up. It would be exposed on the surface. Have you ever reseeded your lawn? You know, as you're, as you're uh, applying the seed and distributing it, you know, it's inevitably something that happens. Some seed kind of goes on the, the sidewalk. It goes on your driveway. It's hard. And you expect the birds to come and, and pick it up, right? They do. <laughs> they're just waiting in, in the, the trees, and they're waiting for you to go back in or go around the back or whatever, and then they'll come and pick it up. Well, this is the very same thought and the same truth that they were being told that, of course, you know, some seed will fall on the path. Well, some seed fell on rocky ground. Hey, listen, the sower doesn't always know that underneath the soil is rocky ground. This seed will spring up with new life quickly, but because it doesn't have any depth, it will be scorched by the sun. It will shrivel up and it will die when the sun comes Eventually, it will just simply wither away. This is why it's important to protect a seedling in a shallow pot from the sun. That is direct sun. When the roots aren't deep, the plant is at that point susceptible to the strength of direct sun. It's something for anyone who's done any uh, the planting of seedlings or, or little plants going. That's why they die, just so you know. If you're taking a small, frail plant and putting it in direct sunlight and you wonder, why, why is it dying? It's for this reason. It's because it's frail. It doesn't have sufficient root to get the nutrients it needs to grow strong. It's simple. So put a little covering over it until it gets some strength. You allow the roots to go deep, and then you'll have a good, strong plant. That's just a little side note don't charge more for that. Some seed fell among thorns. These are places where the farmer is not aware that there were an abundance of thorns or weeds in the place where he sowed the seed. But nonetheless, the thorns or the weeds are commonly known to be overwhelming and they take the life right out of the other plants, not allowing them to produce any fruit whatsoever. And then fourthly, some seed fell into good soil. The seed that, in, that fell into good soil produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. It, it didn't all produce the same, 
but it did produce when it fell into good soil. Now again, this was common knowledge. This is what they all understood. So as we see, the sower is not the issue. The seed is not the issue. What, what is the issue? It's the soil. It all depended on what soil the seed fell on, whether it would yield grain or not. They didn't dispute over the 30, 60, or 100-fold either. It's just some produces 30, some 60, some 100, some other numbers. It, it's just nothing to complain about or argue about. That's just the way it happens. Bless you. They knew what Jesus was saying was true. But did they all understand what the application was? The answer is no, but he'll explain that in a moment. Some of you at this very moment, you already are beginning to understand, if not fully know, what is being referred to here by Jesus. You've heard this story before. We've been through it, or you've heard it somewhere else. You've read it yourself. You've studied it. You know it. But rest assured that others aren't too sure. The disciples themselves weren't too sure. And Jesus explains. First he explains the purpose and then the parable itself. Listen, even if... I, I was studying and I was looking over this. Even if you've gone over this a hundred times. It does not matter. Please, when you approach scripture, approach it as if it's the first time you're reading it. The Lord has a word for you, something that he wants to do in and through that section of Scripture. Nothing is wasted with the Lord. And the word is, oh, it's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces and it cuts and it does surgery and it exposes and it heals and it reconciles and it restores and it brings about health. The purpose, let's move on to the purpose. Verse 10 says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. It's important that the disciples ask questions. I, I love it for, you know, it's my own selfish reason too, because when, when I'm asked questions and then it kind of forces me to respond thinking about God's word and, uh, and it helps me to, to grow, right? But it, it's good to ask questions. We ought to ask many questions. But the disciples were asking the question, these questions, and, the, and uh, they wanted to know about the parables. They wanted to know what they were referring, uh, what he was referring to, uh, what moral truth or or spiritual truth Jesus was teaching. It's good because they received from Jesus the specific interpretation of what he was referring to. Again, it's it's always important because Scripture has one interpretation and many applications. One interpretation, many applications. 
And so, so they got the specific interpretation of this parable itself, what he was teaching. Again, Jesus would indeed explain the parable, but first he wanted to let them know, he wanted them to know why he taught in parables. It's interesting how God's word itself can be taken out of context and taught to mean something that it doesn't. You can take sections of scripture and, and you can make them mean something that God never intended for it to mean. Prosperity gospel is a great example. In fact, it's no gospel at all. How about the social gospel? Is that the gospel? It is not. I'll go ahead and answer for you. It, it is not the gospel at all. In fact, <clears throat> to know that for sure, we need to go to Galatians chapter 1. And in verse 6, um, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Galatians, see, this is how easily uh, people of God can be deceived if you do not uh, fix your your thoughts on sound doctrine. And this is what happened to the Galatians. They were being deceived. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. If the emphasis is anything else other than sound doctrine, it is another gospel and not the gospel at all. Two times the Apostle Paul said, let him be accursed. Those are strong words. And that's why we ought to be mindful of what the gospel truly is. Understand it and apply it to our lives. But this parable and all the parables that Jesus taught were to serve as doorways through which people listened. You know the story that I told about the little girl should serve as a simple illustration that expresses a reality perhaps in our own hearts. Does it cause you to think a little bit more about your own heart? It should. That's the whole point of it. Sharing a parable. If they're interested, they walk in and seek the application of the the parable, the proper interpretation of, of it. But if they're not interested, then they'll stay outside. They'll just walk away. Whether it be physically or just personally in your mind, you check out. In your heart, you check out. You want nothing to do with it. But you have that option at that point. But we know that the Lord desires that you draw near as you draw near, it says, as we draw near, he draws near. As we turn around and embrace him and believe in him and walk with him, oh, he, does, he does that. Very, he's right there. He's near. Listen, there's always a key to the parables found in the Bible. 
For this parable, the key is the word, and the variable is the soil. Remember, and what we'll see, what we'll see in, in a few moments is that this is the one parable you need to get in order to understand all of the other parables. You'll see why in, in a moment. The key is the word. It is not money. It is not a farming problem to fix. It's not a farmer problem that needs further training. Nor is it even a weed problem. Or anything else. It's a soil problem. Where the seed or the word falls onto or into. Again, parables are used to get someone's attention and draw them toward a spiritual truth and understand its application. And a person who does not desire to understand will not. He will hear but not understand the deeper meaning, will not seek to understand, and will fail ultimately to apply its truth. So that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. At that point, if, if it is ignored or neglected, at that point, they don't go any further. That's the point where they stop. They have little to no understanding of what the spiritual truth, the moral lesson is of the parable. And then Jesus goes on to explain it. In verse 13, he says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Listen, how then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who... When they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. So as I said earlier, Jesus said, he stated this, it is essential to understand, to know this parable in order to understand the other parables. Yeah, he was teaching many parables, but it's this parable that is recorded here for us. And so we ought to not move. It's critical. We don't miss this very important point that Jesus makes here. What is it? The sower sows the word. It's the word. It's nothing else. It's the word. There are some that is sown along the path. The soil that it's de- is described as a hard surface. 
They hear, but immediately Satan comes and snatches the word from them. Of course, and we see here, it's very plain. This is why I love a little um, explanation should go a long way with us. We should rely on the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. As we look at this, we, we understand, hey, listen, Jesus offers no further explanation. But we do know that there are people who hear the word and never give it a second thought. Or perhaps they have this, and I'll put it in quotes, air quotes, a friend who comes along, starts mocking God, and immediately, in that moment, the word is taken away. Perhaps you have one of those even texting you right now, taking your attention from what is happening here. Listen, it has nothing to do with a friend. It has nothing to do with outside influences even. It has everything to do with the hardness of the individual's heart. It has everything to do with that. Remember, this is a, this is a matter of, of the soil, the constants, those things that are consistent, the sower and the seed. Simple sowing of the seed. Where is it falling? Then we have the soil of the rocky ground. Well, these are people that hear the word and immediately there's an explosive, enthusiastic response to it. They begin to come and are very excited about the word, the worship, the church, and Jesus. And then, hey, have you seen Joe? For those of you that have been around church for a while, have you not experienced that? You think, oh, this person, wow, they like, they came alive here. It's like, it's awesome. It's so encouraging. And then it's like, oh, where, where are they? It, that happens. It happens at every church. It happens to every believer. You might even, you might have friends that all of a sudden they're here and then gone. Coworkers. Neighbors. And then we wonder, what happened? Well, after this parable and the explanation of it, you shouldn't have that question. You should know exactly what happened. Right? Now, now you're, you have that knowledge. You have the understanding. This is exactly what happened. Because since they had no root in and of themselves... When tribulation, or and it's explained to us, tribulation, persecution comes on account of the word itself, Jesus Christ, immediately they fall away. Someone confronts them. They have, they're, they're confronted as far as their stance with the word. You're a fanatic? Why are you going to church every Sunday? And then on top of that, Wednesday? Oh my goodness, you're, you're overdoing it a bit. Yeah, maybe you're right. They had no root. No root in and of themselves. This means the roots were not rooted deeply in good soil, but in the topsoil of someone else or something else. Could have been family, friends, Parents, a youth program, 
church activities that they like and favor. In a particular pastor, you put everything into that pastor. The environment created, the experience, the, the experience that's, that's, that's felt in the moment, and so many other things. They're not rooted themselves. They're not rooted in simply the word itself and belief in the Lord. Then there are those that fell among thorns, the word. These people hear the word, but there are three things noted here that grow with the word, but eventually choke it out and it proves unfruitful, allowing these other things to grow. And others, the ones sown among the thorns, they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The cares of the world. Listen, everyone has responsibilities. Um, let me ask a question. You guys, you guys have 24 hours a day? Seven days a week? Yeah. So you guys have the same amount of time. Y'all have responsibilities? Okay, well, I guess everyone has responsibilities. That's a common thing, right? Apparently from this, there are not any valid excuses as to why a person can't faithfully live for and serve the Lord and give focused attention and care to the application of his word. So that's gone. Listen, Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. To worry is sin. To place the world before God is idolatry. Matthew 16, 24 through 26 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains a whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And then there's the deceitfulness of riches. Listen, money in and of itself is not evil. The love of money is evil. Yeah, it's, it's the root of all evil. But money itself is a tool. Material goods are tools, but they should not ever be what you dedicate your life to. Otherwise, it's, a, it's an idol. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then a few verses later in Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then thirdly, the desires for other things. I, I, I love this because in case we don't get it with the previous two, there is the overall desires for other things. What does that cover? It just covers other things. First uh, Corinthians 10, 31, I love it, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
Some of us love to argue, right? But, you know, it doesn't say specifically this. Well, it's okay. God covered it all here. And you know in your own heart. Once you start arguing and trying to look for loopholes and justification for why it is that you're compromising or falling short of following through with the full counsel of God's word, you know you're in trouble. You know that, right? Come on, church. You know, right? We know. We know. Fess up. Whatever that may be, if you place it before God in his word, as he has prescribed, then you have made up your own God in your own image, and it serves to choke out the word, and you prove to be unfruitful. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Lord wants that abundant life in us, but we need to understand how the Lord defines that abundant life. Full of peace, understanding God's grace and his mercy, the hope that we have, enjoying everything that God allows us to steward in our lives. Oh, what joy that should bring. That's, that's an abundant life. Well, then we have the good soil. People who, number one, hear the word. It's one thing to, I'm listening, right? Listening and hearing, sometimes it's not active. I'm sorry. But um, there are times when you are in a conversation and you have no idea what you've just been told. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, you, you are somewhere else. Either you're, you're busy in your own mind and you're thinking about something else, or you, you, really, you really don't care. It's like, honestly, like what you're saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Now, but it's horrible when you, you're asked to actually engage, right? And you're like, oh, man, what, what, what was that last thing you said? <laughs> Active listening is hearing what the other person is saying, seeking to understand in the moment, trying to, okay, I, I need to understand what they're saying, in order to respond in a fitting way. That's how it always should be with the Lord. A, a person whose heart would consider to be, be considered to be good soil is one that is receptive to God's word. No matter what, there's other distractions, preconceived notions, like whatever. You know what? Tune them out right now. It's just you and me. Lord, I want to hear from you. Please help me understand what you're saying to me. Yeah, I know, I know. Bettina, this would apply to her so well. Right here, it says. And the Lord is saying, no, 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 no. It's you. Everything else, gone. Just me. Some of you are thinking that, that very thought. You were thinking at some point through this message, oh yeah, this would be really good for... No, it's just you. Hear the word. Listen to it. 
and then receive it, accept it, because that's what good soil. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and what? Accept it. Accept receive unto oneself. And bear fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Oh, how beautiful it is when God's people are fruitful Oh, it benefits everyone. Everyone. Everyone here benefits from your fruitfulness. For the fruit of the Spirit benefits others. This requires hearing the word and accepting the word, belief and surrender. Believing that the word of God is true and is applicable to oneself and then surrendering to its governing work in our own life of the person in every sense. It governs me. Whether it governs someone else or not, and they choose to be governed by God's word or not, that has no bearing on me. I simply believe God. I believe his word. I hear it, and I accept it. Psalm 119, in verse 1, says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is the soil, the good soil that bears fruit that brings glory to God. John 15, 1 says, I am... Uh, Jesus speaking said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so... Have I loved you? Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The parable of the soil. Are you abiding in Christ? Do you hear and do you receive? 
Sometimes we blame our circumstances, the cares of this world, or others for not listening to the word of God and applying it to our lives. We even blame people in the church. We, bl we, we blame the pastor. But please notice that Jesus points directly to the person's heart. The condition of the heart and nothing else. Nothing else. Just like hard ground needs to be broken up, sometimes a person needs to be broken in order for their hearts to be pliable and prepared to receive the seed that is the word of God so that it may grow, take root, and produce fruit. Sometimes 30, sometimes 60, and some 100-fold. I pray that all of us understand that we need to tend to our hearts Subject them to the Lord. Oh, you're in good hands. Allow him to speak to you and, and to reassure you that his promises are true. You need to come to a point to where you fully trust in him and look to him to, for, for everything, for salvation, number one. If you're here and you don't know salvation, I pray that you simply confess your sins to God for it is your sin that separates you from God. And at the same time, as you ask for forgiveness, you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and you know salvation. For if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And I pray that we would just, as a church, just hear and receive, that it may become ours, and we may walk it out in our lives, that we may be fruitful to the glory of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us again, Lord, that we cannot blame anything or anyone else. Lord, as we hear your word, we are accountable to that. I pray, Lord, that we would, Lord, respond in a manner that brings glory to you. You, you wish that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Lord, you desire for those who have been broken to be reconciled, restored. You desire that we would abide in you and you would abide in us. Pray, Lord, that you would help us in doing just that. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name.